hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Pod Damn America. Anders Lee here with two special guests today. We got a friend of the cast, J-Fod, John F. O'Donnell. Thanks for joining us, John. Absolutely, baby. And we are here with his uh, cohort. Sidekick. Side, his sidekick. John's huh? sidekick. Oh, it's not usually framed that way. <laughs> That's right. I thought you were going to say boss, and I was going to be like, yeah. <laughs> well, he does cool kick it. you in the side a lot. Yeah, he yeah, does. I'm giving he that does. much. Yeah, it keeps me strong. It's good uh, for my obliques. <laughs> the one and only Lee Camp yeah, of Lee Redacted Camp. Tonight, Moment of Clarity, Fame. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, just checked out Lee's new special. It is uh, pretty good. Got a nice sneak peek. Hilarious stuff. Uh, Thanks. Guess what? It's about politics. What are the odds? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I thought I'd try something new. Did you Did you think of <laughs> of doing some like an hour on like rugs or something? Actually, Ceramic I, had, rugs? I had done an hour on rugs. Yeah. And we were afraid it would sell so well that like it would break the internet's. Ah. So we ultimately went with this politics one. And you don't want to sell out. You don't want to use your powers for the rug industry. No, no. Yeah, Lee I've... was a big time rug shill for a long yeah. time. However, Home furniture spokesperson, Lee Camp. That being said, you can get your very special redacted night rugs for sale online. Um, that would be pretty, I think. Like, yes. A nice... It's black mostly, rug. It's, you it's, want a black yeah. rug, really. It's mostly Lee tying me down, shaving my back, and then weaving that hair into a rug. You know? <laughs> so it's very valuable stuff. It's amazing how hard he struggles when you try to shave his back. It really, <laughs> he you'd is, think he'd be fine with it. So you're one of those people who back hair, I think, is an attractive feature. Oh, yeah. You know, because yeah. a lot mean, of people are like, whoa, I, like I have, I have shoulder hair and people aren't expecting it a lot of the time. And it's yeah. kind of like, eh. But I've with you, it's like, oh, hair. this is, uh, oh. Well, the thing John is, uses it to shave warnings. That's true. In That's there. true. Well, the thing is, you know, trends are always changing and shoulder and back hair is the next big thing. So right. You know? So we're just trailblazing. Shoulder and back hair is the new not having shoulder and back hair. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Much like I think wrinkled shirts are going to be a thing. I've been saying this for a while, in all fairness, but I still think in the next couple of years that's going to become a, a trend the same way vintage. All right, well, then call me Don have. Draper, baby. Yeah. I'm a wrinkled... All three of us I, right now have... I was doing it before it was cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking of doing things before they were cool, I think the first time I was familiar with you was Jill Stein's 2012 run. Oh. That was back when it was kind of like a niche... Thing. It was kind of cool. It was like being <laughs> back, in the Wilco back when I was cool. Yeah, yeah. Or before it was maligned, at least as much as it is now. Uh, uh, but the 2012 election. I think the first kind of on-cam interview I did with her was backstage at a fundraiser she did. I think it was the yeah the day before. This is in New York, and I performed on this little fundraiser. And it was the day before she then tried to attend the presidential debate in New York and was arrested for trying to attend and then they chained her to a chair and her running mate to a chair like in a basement beneath the debates and held her there throughout the debates and then at like 11 p.m. or something just like released her out into the night with no phone or anything 
And at one point, she says, she even said to the guard, because you got an armed guard, and she's chained to this chair, or handcuffed to the chair, she goes, can you at least undo the handcuffs? I'm not leaving the room. And they said no. Because Ooh. that's how that's how much a third party needs to be kept out of the debates. We can't just say no. We can't just lock in downstairs. we got to chain you to a chair. Yeah, it's a disrupting... <laughs> Presence. Uh, I mean, I remember with that in mind. I, I mean, I did suggest this to the Green Party for 2016. They didn't get back to me on it, but I think <laughs> she should have uh, pretended to have an affair with Bill Clinton so she would be invited to the Hillary Trump debate. You know, because they had yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and they had, they had all the victims Trump, of Bill. You know, Trump would have brought her along. That yeah. that that, is, that does say something though about politics is that we're okay that the media gatekeepers are okay with that. They're okay with like. <laughs> Potentially, uh, really in like gross stuff that's just pure yeah, spectacle. But somebody, but pushing, somebody wants to somebody uh, pushing for an emergency uh, green jobs plan to kind of save the the country and the world. That is a chainable up offense. You know what I mean? That's but right. also, I think it's interesting that's you bring bring that up. That 2012, that time. It's like Lee by that time had become you know disillusioned with. The, the Obama administration, if uh, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it's a fundraiser for Jill Stein, so yeah, what, I mean, what do you think? We kind of say it. But you're right. At the time, in 2012, there was still, there were some folks that were like, oh, wow, this hope and change thing was, was bullshit. It's a lot of kind of corporate Democrat stuff happening again. This ramping up of the surveillance state, et cetera, going after, you know, whistleblowers, everything like that. But, uh, but there still was... A, a ton of support for him. So right. being kind of being left of the Democrats and Obama in 2012 was, I mean, it was it was somewhat of a fringe thing, you know. I mean, throughout Obama's administration, I I probably got fed up with him about a year in. It took me about a year to really be done with him. So were you um, on the Obama bandwagon? Yeah, two th- two, uh, 2008. Um, I actually did. I, I had gotten disillusioned with the two party system. However, I naively, very naively, thought that he was different. And there were two main things that that made me feel that way. One was, I think he was the first candidate, or at least in recent times, uh, to have most of his money, more of his money, come from individual donors, like small-time donors, than come from corporations. Right. And so I thought, or big or dark money. And so I thought, well, he'll be indebted to those people rather than being indebted to the big money. Didn't turn out to be true. The second thing was that he was against the Iraq War even in his Chicago Senate days, long before even getting into the Senate, and uh, didn't turn out to matter. That he was against the Iraq War then, he was as belligerent and as war-going as any of them. Um, actually ramped up the number of wars we were in or number of countries we were bombing. And But throughout his administration, it was like going after him for those things, which I did, Was it was kind of a niche thing because so many people that if you even consider yourself Democrat or left at all, it was like, just be nice to our guy. Like, like that's our guy, and just be nice to him. Yeah, he seems to get a, a, crazy, <coughs> a, a crazy pass from, yeah. uh, from a lot of media outlets, from kind of like late night shows and stuff like that. And it's interesting, it's like Redacted, we started in our, well, the, I mean, there was a, the first show aired the last Friday of May of 2014. So it was still, mm. you know, like a, a good, for couple, you know, the first right. two years or so more of our of our show was Obama administration stuff. And for us, it really was, it was really interesting to critique him from the left and see the, the pushback we would get, but also the sort of the growing support for that as more and more people were yeah. becoming disillusioned. You know? 
Yeah, people who are like, I like what you're saying in spirit, but I just, I really like this guy, Obama. Yeah. Uh, well, we all get, people get emotionally attached to their candidates. Yeah. Too. You know what I mean? Right, which is fair. You know, it's it's sort of inevitable and for any, you know, successful politician. There's going to be some uh, form of cult of personality. Um, what do you think, though, of, it seems, I mean, we've rehabilitated uh, George W. Bush's image. I say we, but the, the mainstream media uh, Democratic Party, and th- do you think that it's if so there is so more of a left push in the next few years, that the same thing is going to be happening with Obama? That like, uh, like he's already said uh, th- these new exciting ideas, like Medicare for all, as if that hasn't been an idea <laughs> that just, he like passed, had to give a hard pass to yeah, yeah, like yeah, ten yeah, years yeah. ago. Uh, <laughs> is he going to be able to jump on that bandwagon, or, or should we be clearer about when all these people who maybe were a little more uh, center left are being attracted to things like Bernie Sanders do we have to have a point of reconciliation and say look this guy you loved was a war criminal well I think he's still pretty much ubiquitously loved I mean there's not the rehabilitation that George W. Bush had is only possible because of Donald Trump being you know the arch villainous like caricature of a you know of a uh, villainous like you know buffoon but uh but like but I think that, I don't know. I mean, the question is, it, there, I guess there is the action speak louder than words, but at the same time, I don't necessarily want to immediately dismiss somebody if they have, potentially have some sort of kind of political evolution, mm-hmm. you know? I don't, but uh, it's kind of like politicians like that, they just say things once they kind of read the tea leaves and see that, and see that that's the popular thing to do. I think that's yeah. why... A lot of people have respect for Bernie Sanders because he has kind of had that steady same message for a very long time. Right. Know? Yeah, I would just say Obama's a war criminal. Fair. We'll just, we'll just <laughs> yeah. go with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's kind of the dynamic supposed to be me and Lee. I'll be like, well, there's this and that. And he'll be like, no, John, it's just a war criminal. <laughs> well, so I, like, got right. I think with John a danger... likes to be nice to everybody. <laughs> I kind of do. It's weird. I have that too. Yeah, it's a... I mean, you're not. Or I'll talk shit about somebody, but then, like, if Lee talks shit about the person, I'll be like, Lee, they're not that bad. The number of times you've been like, Lee, Trump is trying to do good for the people. <laughs> Wait, okay, that is not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, not on record. Yeah. Oh, no, revealed. J Fod's a Trump supporter. Closet. No! Well, I do. I mean, I do think there is a danger that people are, are going to say, like, "Oh, yeah, that's true." What you you're saying about? I mean, I still like Obama, but it's true what you're saying. And then they go right back to supporting another Obama because they're too attached to the personality. Oh, yeah. If, if Obama or anything similar were to run next time around, all of those people that liked him before would be like, yeah, oh, my God, it's amazing. It's perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still... <clears throat> so Michelle Obama was just on Jimmy Kimmel, and he basically opened the interview being like, we miss you, we need you, we yeah. need you back. And everybody's yeah. like standing ovation. It's It's... They would yeah. be completely happy with that. That's why it's so. It'd be interesting to me if it ends up being somebody like uh, like a Kamala Harris, if that's who's pushed to run for the Democrats. That's going to be so interesting because everybody that's a mainstream Democrat is going to completely fawn over her and is yeah. going to be completely shocked if any like principled leftist is like, well, you know, this person doesn't really speak for me on this issue, this issue, this issue. They're going to lose their minds, you know, because framing her relative to Trump is a tough thing to swallow. And right. Here's here's what I'm worried about, and I'm curious to get your guys' take on this. Like, I think it's pretty clear Bernie's going to run. 
maybe Elizabeth Warren, but there's they. I it seems like they want to have it, so there's one. These people keep saying Hillary. That's wrong. yeah. Like, well, that's and I think that would be great. Minds? I think that would be great because the the real worry to me is that the center is is if the real worry to me is if people unite against Bernie Sanders. So if if it's a divided field, if it's Bernie and he has the biggest faction out of all these little you know fan bases that make up the Democratic voting you know people who vote in primaries, uh, if it's him, if he is the biggest one, then he wins. He becomes a nominee. But if if it's uh, everybody's uniting around Kamala Harris to the Joe Biden says, I'm going to step out and people step out and make way for somebody to defeat Bernie. That's uh, what really worries me. Do you think the center is going to be divided or are they going to unify be- be behind somebody? Are they going to be pe- as petty can, as the left can, is? Can I give a prediction that will make all that moot? Yes. Uh, the DNC has changed their rules and it seems quite possible they won't allow Bernie to run. Because the new rule is that any the DNC chair can decide any candidate in their writings and behavior has not been supportive of the Democratic Party and therefore is not a Democrat. Yeah, and that is a weird, so it's, weird word. It, and they added, the fact that they added that in in the past six months or year see, seems to me likely that it was in there mainly so they could say, sorry, Bernie Sanders. Do you so think he'd have to run as an independent? Well, I think I, else, yeah. wouldn't he be able to, as long as he says, I am a Democrat by this date, he's still eligible? That's what it used to be. It's not, that's what they changed. It's oh. now you had to, in your writings and speeches and behavior, show full support for the Democratic Party. So they may say, well, he, he wasn't supportive when he did A, B, and C, and he switched back to an independent after... Uh, you know the running last time, so he's not a Democrat. I mean, I don't, I don't doubt know. that there's. I don't doubt that there are people who are trying to do that. I just don't know that they'll have enough clout uh, to actually make that happen because there are enough people who are would be worried about damage control to kind of like yeah, we'd let be him the last in nail there. in their coffin of a highly unpopular organization. I agree, yeah. I agree with you, but you know what I mean. They don't know how to stop him, and they're more scared of him than they are of a corporatist like Trump. Because the truth is, tr- Trump agrees on you know eighty percent of the core issues of this country. It's Wall Street war. It's all very similar under a Democrat or a Republican. But Bernie would upend, assuming he does what he says, would upend the Wall Street fucking festival that's gone on for decades. I mean, is yeah. it possible that Bernie has enough <laughs> name recognition and popularity and support at this point that? He could run independently? Well, and that's what, so, you know, Nick Branagh has created this movement for a people's party, and, and Nick was a, a national a national outreach director for Bernie Sanders, and he has tried for a couple of years to get Bernie to leave the Democratic Party and join a third party, and uh, it's clearly not happening. Uh, I think there's been kind of no response from the Sanders campaign. So they seem to have no interest in doing that now, if the DNC were to say you can't run, then his hand might be pushed. But yeah. yeah. But I, back to your back to your thing about what would happen with the center being split up. I don't. <coughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know how. It, I don't know how it would play out if it was like they tried to pit a Kamala Harris against a Bernie Sanders or something like that. But the idea of the idea of Hillary running again and there, that Wall Street Journal opinion piece by one of her close aides saying she very well may run in 2020. It's just so baffling to me. It just really goes to the heart of how much these people are stuck in this 
this bubble and this weird echo yeah. chamber that they could actually think that that's a viable thing to do. But it would be, I, I think it would be a great thing because it would get all the people who are the diehard Hillary Clinton supporters to stick to her, and then there would be some people who are like, no, we got to choose somebody else. Not, you know, not Bernie Sanders, but we got to go with, like, Kamala Harris. She says some nice things. Then some other people are like, no, we need a boring old white guy. Let's get Joe Biden in there. They're divided. And meanwhile, the biggest faction in that thing is uh, Bernie or maybe uh, Elizabeth Warren if, if they choose to So you switch. look at it as it, like, kind of helping the math for Bernie. Yeah, the more divided the center is, the, the better, I think. But that being said, I mean, it's like if Hillary... <coughs> if Hillary was going to jump into the fray again, isn't it possible that she they would just, like... The DNC would figure out a way to rig the primary for her again, and the whole country would just light on fire. Right. The pr- the primary is the only look what they the did prim- the last time. The primary right? is yeah. as it's as rigged as it was before. The only difference is that there's fewer super delegates, but that shouldn't really matter by the time you get to the convention. I, yeah. I mean, in a very rare circumstance, but, it wouldn't matter. But things are as rigged, even in New York City, which I just had an interview this week with someone who did a huge expose on the New York City rigging where over 200,000 people were purged, largely Bernie voters, and it was proven in court. And these are court documents showing that these people were just cut off the rolls. 161,000 people voted with affidavit ballots, which are just, you know, fake ballots that say you sign your name and say, I wanted to vote. And it's like, the fact that they could get away with that and have changed almost nothing in the system, it's all the same. Right, I mean, I mean, and I live in New York, I can't, like, I couldn't vote for Cynthia Nixon because we've closed primaries and you have to re-register at a date which was before she had even announced. Uh, It's it's absurd, but... This reminds me of something you were saying in your special, if I may do a little teaserino, about uh, it's not just, if you're going to vote, it should be an overwhelming amount of people. Yeah, yeah which it almost was. I mean, yeah. you know, Ber- Bernie got closer in that purged New York vote than they thought. Um, yeah, it's like Lee likes to say, it's like if you're, yeah, you have to have strong enough, large enough numbers to uh, to overtake the amount that they're going to fucking steal. Right, right, I mean? right. Yeah. yeah, that's why I think the best hope do you remember, is Hillary Clinton. Okay, but do, ah, that being said, that do you don't you remember like from like what came out in those uh, in the WikiLeaks emails like uh, of uh, either the Podesta emails or the Hillary emails that um that the guy that created superdelegates was like oh look give them you know take away superdelegates we'll give them something it'll look like it's something that they it'll want. look like it'll matter it'll look yeah. like it'll matter but it won't it doesn't yeah. like that was one of the things that came mm, out and he yeah. was talking about getting rid of them altogether that's yeah. not even yeah. what they did they did a lesser step from the step that he said wouldn't even really matter you know right and on top on top of that the bernie's lost some of his support i don't know what percentage but i i think it could be as high as 25% of people that are done with him because of his support for the democratic party they all thought that he was an insurgent voice and then at the end of the day he said vote for hillary and you know i on my tour is like people are fucking furious with him so mm-hmm. I, I think he's lost some of his support and then uh, the other thing i was going to say i have not forgotten do you really think it's that high because i sometimes like you know I don't know. We all get we all get stuck in our in our in our bubbles and our echo chambers a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? Obviously, redacted tonight is like, you know, a, a show that is screaming for a revolution, which is slightly veiled as a political satire show, which I'm proud ah. of. <laughs> you know, but it, is it possible though? Like I that 
I mean, it was a, he was super demoralizing the way that he you know had to make that pivot or decided to make that pivot. Do you really think it's that high that like that percentage of people would like, even though they're upset with him, wouldn't wouldn't support him if he ran again? Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, I, I think some of them could be won back, but also, I, I mean, to be disappointed that he didn't do that, I guess, is uh, acceptable. But like he has been saying from the beginning that he's would always support the Democratic nominee. Is a history of doing that, whether it's no, Al no, or, you're you're absolutely yeah. right, and I knew it was going to happen all right, along, right. Or, or suspected it would, so I wasn't surprised. But most people, a lot of people, were because they didn't quite understand how this system goes. But uh, the other, I remember the other thing I was going to say is. Bernie was able to create that movement based on having a kind of semi-free and open internet, mm -hmm. which has now been so crushed. I mean, back during that election, my post, but really anyone's post, if you were even moderately popular, you could have a, a somewhat viral post every once in a while, you know? Maybe I only have one a month or something where it gets tens of thousands of shares, but mm -hmm. yeah, it could happen. That cannot happen. It does not exist. Like, if you look at Facebook analytics and think there are no such things as, as political viral posts anymore unless Facebook has decided we, want, we are okay with that mm. going viral. So I don't know that... I think a lot of Bernie's support came from this, like, open... Facebook, Twitter, YouTube platforms that is now almost completely crushed. Oh, the viral video Bible <laughs> days of Redacted 2016. Oh, those were fun. Oh, I'll tell you what. Lee's fucking public page Facebook group was just fucking sharing shit like crazy. You can you still I mean? share the memories. This day two years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. they'll let you share that. Uh -huh. Yeah, I did, uh, I did like an anti corporate McDonald's Chicken McNugget ad that when Lee posted it on his page got, what, like 2 million shares or something crazy? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but I'll tell you, during, during the election, it was, it was, uh, <coughs> it was so, it was so draining and there was so much, like, you know, kind of negative psychic energy going around, but there also was so much energy and passion and it was so interesting. It's like, people were so fully engaged and yeah, there was some drop off after the election, but it was so clear to see how, after the election, when these algorithms changed and decided to start kind of suppressing stuff, the dips that kind of independent media and uh, took, it's like, it's undeniable, you know? So, and is that mostly because of those companies' internal policies, or does that have anything to do with Ajit Pai taking over the FCC and... Fucking with net neutrality. Most of it's Facebook and Google algorithms, and Facebook and, and Google also. Late, like the, they announced they were changing their algorithm, and after that, it, I mean, it doesn't. It's not going to reward anything that's even outside, slightly outside the mainstream. Uh, right. All these pages. Someone did an analysis, and all these big alternative outlets. You know, Truth Dig, Democracy Now, Intercept, uh, Truth Out, all saw their readership just tank because, yes. yeah. because they weren't getting any Google flow like nobody's told about their pages even democracy now took a huge we're talking something right. like 60% or something like that yeah 50% you know? 60% so you are you telling me that a, a private company <laughs> is limiting free speech without the government influencing them without them being well, regulated Google, by the government Google has a lot of tentacles in with the government I don't know. I don't think the government said you have to, you have to do this. But they're they're not they're not separate entities. Google and the government. I mean, they're they're intertwined enough to 
to I not exactly be a private company. I mean, the same with Facebook. Facebook's now partnered with the Atlantic Council, which is an offshoot of NATO, and Zuckerberg hired all these uh, former Obama, Bush campaign, Hillary campaign people, uh, like managers at the top of the campaigns. And, and so the ki it's kind of like the state and these big, the big platforms, Facebook and Google, are very intertwined now. Mm. Yeah, there's all sorts of weird overlap, you know. I mean, you also you have the Washington Post is a fact checker for, you know, fake news on Facebook right. and, you know, Weekly Standard, which is Bill Crystal's fucking psycho thing. Yeah, and then, you know, and then I'm sure as your listeners know, Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post and Amazon has huge... Yeah. Is soon to own is soon to own Long Island City. Yeah, well. soon to own Long Island City uh, where I used to live with their new headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what? How does the movement uh, against this look like? In in to what extent should this be a, a commerce based movement, getting people to support uh, alternative media through you know Patreon accounts or whatever? And to what extent should it be people in the streets actually doing things or going to town hall meetings? Like, what form uh, should the resistance to this take? Go for it, Lee. <laughs> what form should the... I mean, yeah, it's got to be on a lot of different levels. There has to be... I think we need to, in terms of the social media, you've got to build up alternative platforms while, I think, continuing to use Facebook because and Google because, I mean, you can limit your usage, but the truth is they are so big. Facebook's like a second internet. So it's they're so big that turning your back on them as an activist is probably a dumb idea. You're letting go of a huge tool. Even if things are censored, you're still letting go of a huge tool. So... Uh, I'd say continue to use Facebook some, but we need to build up Minds.com and Steam it, and maybe there's others out there that I haven't, you know, experienced yet. But I, I think we need to find an uncensored social media platform that will allow for activism and kind of revolutionary thought. Um, on top of that, some of this does need to be in the streets, and and you know, uh, some people do need to risk arrest, and it kind of just needs to be on all levels. Uh, of, of kind of standing up against these things. As I say, the, the end of the comedy special is kind of like we should unite these causes too because there's so much online bickering. It's all, everything's just like, yeah, I, I agree with you. We need to stop the police state, but you're not also a vegetarian. You're worse than Hitler. Like, <laughs> it, it's like, there's too much. Everybody's looking for absolutism and like who can be in their club, who's allowed to be, pure, who's pure enough. And that's just all that does is breed defeatism. It just breeds, you know, you, you oh great, so you found the four people that fully agree with you on everything. Yeah. And that's your that's how you're gonna bring about change. They're yeah, they're I mean, the other guys on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the, I mean, yeah, the the kind of splintered left has always been and kind of remains a, a, a problem, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think direct action has to happen. It's unfortunately, it's 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 not enough just to. Sign petitions and stuff like that. I think it's I think it's important to go to town halls. It's, I mean, electoral politics. It's important to partake, but that's also you know very limiting. And obviously, there's all sorts of election fraud stuff that we've covered extensively. Um, yeah, well, you know. I mean, I think something I've been reading a little bit about is uh, Nathan J. Robinson from Current Affairs has been talking about the Wikipedia model as kind of a goal for other forms of communication, organization in general. Um, a democratic thing where people, you know, are credible, you know, they're ver verified experts on things, but you have that model, uh, sort of an open source democratized model for social media. 
that maybe people could start investing in now. But uh, what, what were the, I had never heard of the ones you mentioned. What mines you said? Mines is growing. I want to go back to what you just said. But uh, mines is growing. Mines.com. And it, it seems like I, I'm actually, uh, and me and some several other kind of leftist voices uh, may start uh, promoting it, not like out of some sort of deal or commercial or something, but because um, it is the, one of the only open source, uncensored platforms. Right now, it seems to be heavily filled with, you know, right-wingers and alt-righters and shit like that. So it, it can be a kind of unpleasant place to hang out at the moment. But I think if more of the left started going there, because I think probably what happened was the left felt very comfortable on Facebook and the right did not. And so the right fled to things like mines and the left was still hanging out there. And now those alternatives are, you know, filled with right wingers. Mm. So wow, so more of the right has been early adopters of it. it of mines, like. yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, but maybe we can get the left to also populate these platforms. So it's you won't be preaching the choir because there'll be all sorts of people there. But you, you know, also it won't be so awful. It'll be you know if we can get more left people there. Uh, Steemit is one based on a cryptocurrency. Some people tell me a pon- it's a Ponzi scheme. I don't know. It might be. But is it, it is- another, is it like a update version of Bop It? I don't know what Bop It is. Bop It. You remember the toy Bop It? Bop It. Pull It. Steam It. <laughs> uh, yeah, 90s yeah. kids know is what it, I'm talking yeah, about. Is this like Hungry Hungry Hippo? Or? It's kind of similar. Hasbro. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're 90s kids. We're 80s kids. Sorry, dude. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but to go back to what you said about Wikipedia. So... There's a lot of great things about Wikipedia, but uh, but what's interesting is, is Wikipedia is this great model simply because the people that founded it, or is it one guy? I don't know. But Jimmy, yeah, made a Jimmy de- made a decision not to, and you know he's been told that it could be worth billions of dollars if they would just put ads on it and everything. Yeah. And he's always fought against it. And he apparently, you know, only makes uh, $100,000, 200000 a year or whatever, which for someone creating one of the biggest platforms is nothing. Um, and so it's like a fluke. It's the exception that proves the rule. Like, th- we are in this system that puts profit on everything. And yeah. profit will ultimately grab and strangle everything. And, you know, we're seeing that with Facebook and stuff like that. Um, and they'll either drain your data and know everything about you if it's free, quote unquote, or they'll uh, charge you or they'll cover it in ads. And Wikipedia is separate from that just because one weirdo said, I'm not going to allow that to happen. I'm going to turn my back on a billion dollars and keep this pure. Now, that's great or semi-pure. But uh, then the other problem with Wikipedia is it's not pure. It, it like Governments clearly have influence and there is censoring. Uh, I have interviewed a guy on the show who's done a lot of research about how Wall Street is a Ponzi scheme in the sense that um, st- stocks aren't, you don't invest in a con- company in order to get uh, um, uh, uh, dividends anymore. You're not getting a piece of the company anymore. Dividends are rarely paid out when they are their small amount. So really all you're paying is you're paying for a meaningless sheet of paper that says you have a share and you then sell that later and try and get money for it, which is the definition of a Ponzi scheme. If people stop buying them, hmm. you're standing there with your dick in your hand. So <laughs> it is... And your thumb in your butt. It's actually... And your thumb in your ass. And you just so, want to get somebody else to put their so, dick in their hand and their so, thumb in their butt. So my... Yeah, if you convince them to stick their thumb in their butt, you win. Uh, <laughs> the but, last person stuck with their thumb in their butt loses. But uh, I, you're reminding me. I talked about this on a special I've forgotten. Yeah. But uh, anyway, the, the, point, the reason I bring that up is because he has tried repeatedly to just add this thought, this idea... 
to entries about Wall Street, about uh, stock markets, about what stocks are. And they're always censored. They're always taken out. And he is now banned from editing Wikipedia. So mm. there is censorship on Wikipedia. And he wasn't saying, he wasn't trying to destroy the whole entry. He just wanted to add one idea that this, you know, is the SEC's definition of a Ponzi scheme. And it was like, adding that is not allowed. So there are clearly censors, there's clearly censorship on Wikipedia. Many say it is a, like a white male version of the, the world in, in certain senses. And most of the editors are white males. And so you end mm. up with this kind of colonial view of history. Um, and, and so many have a lot of complaints. But. And our friend, <laughs> and, uh, uh, former uh, uh, colleague when she was on Breaking the Set, Abby Martin, her Wikipedia page was tampered and messed with in weird ways. Well, no, 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 you're, you're skipping a step. She, despite, so usually you can get a Wikipedia page. Well, she couldn't get one initially, right? Usually you can get oh, a Wikipedia really? page if you have, you know, been on TV or something. Like, yeah. usually the, it, it, someone could create one and they'd leave it up. Oh, so-and-so did this appearance. Abby Martin was very well known. She'd had a TV show for two years and they refused to give her a Wikipedia entry. And any fan that created one, it would be deleted. And uh-huh. maybe because she'd been critical of it or something. So she then did a segment on, you know, kind of trashing Wikipedia and the fact that they wouldn't allow an entry. And still there was nothing. And then finally CNN had her on. She went on Pierce, Pierce Morgan or whatever uh, to, to, to interview her. And once she had been on CNN, now she was legit enough for Wikipedia. And hmm. Oh, that's when she got yeah, after yeah. that. Yeah. I, was Pierce on because he didn't like his wiki page? He was like petty because they said his... So she went on Pierce. She was... went on for another reason. It was, okay. it was unrelated. <laughs> yeah, but it was a big reason. I mean, is that she yeah. had a pushback. She, she had a... Yeah, like they, they decided to kind of take some of her foreign policy comments out of context and then the whole internet blew up about it and she had to kind of push back and defend herself but she went on Piers Morgan and if you watch that interview she's just so you know honest endearing and unapologetic that there had no place else to go with the story and she just and there was like well also they for a moment I mean to get too deep in the weeds for a moment the mainstream media thought that Abby Martin would serve as this kind of uh, uh, puppet to tear apart RT America Mm, set an uh, so, example. So, well, and, and that that they'd be like, "Oh, tell us how how horribly censored you are and how terrible it is." And they thought they were, she was going to be useful for that. And then she goes on, and they actually talk to her and get her thoughts. And she goes, "No, I'm not. I I I'm have an incredible freedom, and the show's really important, and I get to cover the topics I want, and I can't do it anywhere else on mainstream media." She basically <laughs> just defended RT America at every because there is incredible freedom at our network uh, to say what we want. And anyway. Uh, after she started saying that, and she was on BBC saying that, and CNN, and, and some others, then they just crushed the story because yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it wasn't useful yeah. in any, anymore. She took away the auction. Like, okay, no, no, no. Thank you, no, no. We're done with this. We're done with this. So, yeah, just to, that is a good clarifying thing for, for the listeners. Just to be, the Putin does not send you emails directly. It's through one of his He actually massages my balls if I do well. Nice. Uh, and flicks them if I do poorly. Yeah, so. yeah. I hope he doesn't stick the bear on you. And he kidnapped my grandma uh, when I was 18. And if I if I tell a really good joke, he uh, he emails me a toe. So. <laughs> <laughs> How many are you up to? You're trying to get her back <laughs> in pieces. I've been on this show for over four years. <laughs> I have four toes. That's weird because normally the toe is a threat. For you, you're trying to collect your grandma <laughs> yeah, in pieces. Piece. <laughs> That's horrific. <laughs> Uh, just to pivot to some, we got some news. It's late. It's breaking right here, right now. Really? Uh, Stacey Abrams, 
running for governor of Georgia, yeah. would have been the first black woman to be governor in the country. Uh, so crazy. She is not conceding, but she is saying that she has lost, <laughs> which I think oh, is awesome. I don't, she's I don't know saying what that means. she's saying that um, this was an illegitimate process because there were almost a million people in Georgia who were purged. Like you, you know, yeah. we were talking earlier. Well, that one's so crazy. I mean, this 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 Kemp guy being the Secretary of State who's <laughs> overseeing the election while at the same time purging people left and right, and then claiming that the Democrats hacked the voting machines yeah. at the same time or hacked bizarre. the voting list. It's bizarre. crazy. He, but, yeah. he purged hundreds of thousands of largely black voters from the rolls and then, you know, acted like it was a legit election. And, you know, I, I don't know... I don't know anything about Stacey Abrams' uh, policies, so I'm not saying I necessarily agree with her on everything, but I think, you know, I, I fight endlessly for legit elections, so the fact that this one, and a lot of them, but this one specifically, is so horrific is, uh, at least it's getting national attention, at least people are talking about this. Yeah. Activists at the Georgia uh, Capitol uh, two days ago were arrested for holding up balloons that had the number of people purged mm. on the balloons. And that just shows how our criminal justice system is, like, inverted. So basically, if you do an elite crime, like purging thousands of voters, hundreds of thousands of voters, that's legal. If you announce it and try to expose that crime, that's illegal. You get arrested for that. Yeah. Well, is this the new normal now? <laughs> is this what people are going to have to start doing when they lose elections? Democrats, maybe even independents who are in close elections to not concede, to say, yeah, I'm not going to be in office, but well, think about this, this was so, fucked up. Well, Instead so, of do, compare this to Al Gore in 2000. Yeah, but it's it's interesting because you remember how there was this sort of thing. It's, there's a weird thing. The, the, the mainstream media puts this weird premium on when an election <laughs> is over. It's like to show the integrity of our election system, you know, the person does concede and everybody like right. moves forward together. But it's like the system has become so... Uh, uh, illegitimate that it's it's how can you not I mean she got completely railroaded in this in this in this election it would be wrong for her to just sort of like you know concede and move on and not call it but out. she and and you're absolutely right and she got so much pressure I mean that's probably why she's doing it now she got so much pressure not just from the right wing but from the fucking like establishment Democrats calling her up and saying, hey, you need to concede. You know, we got to protect the integrity of our voting. Like, it's basically like, lie to the people, say you lost, because look, our voting system is a joke and we got to pretend it's legit. Like, that's what they, and that's also what they said to Bernie Sanders, like, when he was uh, not conceding going into the convention, uh, he was being met by every high-level Democrat saying, look, you need to let this go. Just give it up. Say the say the say what you lost and move on. Like, and even with and even with Trump, that ass clown. But when he when he was saying like, are when they're saying, well, will you accept the results of the election? He goes, I'll he goes, I'll let you know. We'll see that sort of thing. The the way that the, right. the media framed that was like he was doing the most un-American thing you could possibly do by acknowledge by acknowledging maybe that these election that there, that there could be a leg, uh, illegitimate election. Yeah. Well, so this has been something because I've hearing I've been hearing. A lot of this lately, and uh, at first it was kind of like an offhand, sounded like a joke, but I, I'm starting to take it more seriously. It seems like people are more serious when they say it. Do you think it is likely that if Trump does not win the election, if he's defeated, that he will not concede? Do you think there's a chance that he's going to refuse to leave power? Oh, God, with that dude, I have no fucking idea. But the thing is this, it's like, 
It's going to be a tough spin because the truth is there's suppression on both sides, but the Republicans are better at suppressing the mm-hmm. vote. So if he manages to lose as the Republican, <laughs> which is the party that is like, you know, that's doing better at gerrymandering, right. that's doing better at interstate yeah. cross-check, right. you know, if he manages to somehow spin that, that he got the, the, the vote stolen from him. I mean, if anybody can be, you know, morally bankrupt enough to do it, it's it's him. But I just fucking hope not. Any, you know, I don't know. It just, I mean, I he know. has millions of people who follow him. A lot of them own guns. A lot of them have, you know, <laughs> things they like mailing places. A substantial uh, amount of police departments are supporting him. Um, police unions, factions of the military, you know. So armed insurrection. <laughs> It's I time. guess, but it's time. It's time. Yeah, but our insurrection supporting not, Trump. I know. Yes, not, I know. right. I'm kidding him. No, I that know, could be I'm the saying. the threat. That's the yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that would be weird. Violent revolutionary overthrow to maintain the status quo. Right. <laughs> that kind of rhyme too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but there's also the fact that he never, he, he, although he would never like want to not have power, he apparently never wanted to be president, and I still think he hates it. Like a lot of it, he loves the power, but he hates like the the things you have to do to be president. Right. He's not reading any of the documents. He doesn't like sitting through a meeting with the Joint Chiefs about military plans. Like <coughs> he just wants to go play golf and make money. Like yeah, yeah. but I think he's kind of realizing <coughs> that you don't have to do that stuff. You're right, right. And right. the president doesn't. And I think this is something the the left needs to realize. The president's job is to give speeches. Yeah. They're not sitting down and writing legislation. That's why when people, you know, complain about Bernie being 80, so what? Is he going to be sitting down and, like, writing out a policy paper about fucking trade policy? No, he has people who do. The The point is that he gets the right people in yeah. the positions to that's do that. Point. And he should be, be rallying the base. Uh, and that's what I'm kind of concerned. Th- I didn't think Trump was going to win like everybody else. I thought he was going to go around getting people to commit acts of violence and subscribe to his network and stuff. He was going to have his own little, like... Trump uh, TV thing. Trump TV, like, fucking paramilitary force. And that could happen (laughs) after he leaves office if we manage to boot him out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like Bernie Sanders would put, you know, would put people in, would would put progressive people in positions of policymaking power and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know it'd be better than we're getting i mean we got the worst people it's like that's that term it's called a a cacistocracy which means ruled by the worst our a friend of ours sophia mcclendon is a great writer <laughs> i wrote a piece about that but it's actually a term it's like when you had we've got somebody like mick mulvaney in charge of uh in charge of the you know consumer protection financial protection bureau i mean that's yeah. Ruled by the worst. When you had somebody like Scott Pruitt in charge of the EPA, <coughs> people like Rick, you know people like Rick like, uh, Rick Perry that hates the part of the you know Department of Energy that hate these departments and want to abolish them, being in charge of them, it's caucusocracy. It's actually a word. It's the worst thing. Can I can I uh, bring up the elephant in the room? That is, this is what you end up with in late stage capitalism when profit is above all else, and they they are willing to. You know, basically set fire to everything for to contain to continue to have the power and the money and to enrich themselves further. Right. This is yeah. This is how the I don't know something that kind of irritates me a little bit is people are too specific about how you drop the the, the fascism bomb that f bomb. 
because uh, they want it to fit all these criteria from this historical thing, but it's always been a diffuse thing. We should be worried about this. Yeah, we should be worried about Nazis coming in the streets and the fact that the president commands this base of people that don't care. Not that we should care about the rule of law too much, but like they don't, you know, they're going to make up, they're going to interpret it the way they want to. They're going to abuse it, manipulate it the way they want to. Uh, it's yeah, I mean the right this, this this the right wing nationalism across the the world. It's like sweeping through Europe, and and like you look at the the straight up supporter of like guy who like like dictator in, in Brazil now. It's yeah. like it's like you know maybe we're not quite there yet, but we're definitely going in the wrong direction. And it doesn't really seem like some sort of centrist corporate Democrat regime is the thing that's gonna take us out of it it's maybe going to slow down that that slide a little bit but uh yeah it needs to be some sort of real structural change at this point and as far as party politics do you guys uh are you hardline no dem no way or do you think there's i try to i try to take everybody as an individual you know like yeah. for example it's like there's people People are really upset with Elizabeth Warren because she didn't endorse Bernie because she supported Hillary and because she hasn't been great on foreign policy. But I know that she really <coughs> has held Wall Street accountable and stuff like that. So I would be more open to something like that. So I guess I'm not completely... I, I'm definitely more of a, a dem exit than a dem enter person, but I guess I'm not completely 100% on that. I don't know. What do you think, Lee? Uh, it's pretty rare I'll vote for a Democrat. It, it'd have to be someone I really thought was superb and just happened to have a D next to their name. Um, I think the Democrats and Republicans are largely owned. I mean, even, even if you look at this midterm election, hundreds of races, and out of all those, the number of anti-corporate candidates that were even allowed to the general election was minuscule. The number that got in is somewhere between, you know, four and seven, depending on how you count them. Mm -hmm. But, and a couple, and at least two or three of those are in uncontested races. So it was like, you know, in Seattle or something, it was like, just expected, okay, well, there they'll get in. But, um, so it's basically like the, 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 any candidate that could be viewed as a cancer to corporate America was cut out like a cancer. Like it was, they were cut out early. They were cut out in the primaries. They were cut out, you know, long before. They didn't have the money to compete, whatever it was. So you end up with a couple of people that might be able to to, to say anything against uh, the corporate pillaging of the world. And I, I just think that, like, the the risks to, to humankind and the environment and everything, I think they, they're far greater coming from, like, you know, environmental destruction and things like that than they are from, uh, like, neo-Nazis. Now, that doesn't mean they're not any risk. Uh, I was nearly killed by one because I was five feet from the car that killed a person in Charlottesville. So crazy. Uh, but I, I think that the bigger risk is, you know, that environmental dis dis catastrophe and AI is a huge risk if we don't think about where it's headed. And, uh, you know, I, I oh, saw... the killer robots have been covering that for years. I was yeah, John, John, John's been on top of the killer robot problem. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, okay, you know what? I'm going to put you guys on the spot. If, it, <coughs> if in theory, theoretically, it was something like an uh, Elizabeth Warren against Donald Trump in the next presidential election, would you guys vote for Elizabeth Warren? If I lived in a swing state, yeah. But, I, I mean, I think... 
when we talk about parties, uh, the classic definition of a political party doesn't really apply to the United States. And I think it, it, the party is very important. And if you look throughout history, the old Communist Party, the Socialist Parties that have existed in the United States, they were uh, mass-based parties. They were in people's workplaces. Uh, they had activities that were extra electoral, that they involved people in direct action. Um, it was a community. It was, they provided relief and mutual aid to people. Uh, but the way the laws work now, that party can't really be a ballot line party. I mean, maybe it could, but we're not in a stage yet where we're going to have that have its own ballot line, and that's why I think like I think there's too much focus should. on the ballot line, and we and not enough yeah. on where's the organizing come from, where's the money I, coming I think, from. I think third parties and things should start doing that, even if they're not winning at the ballot box. I think yeah. you know the Green Party should be showing up in communities and helping people and becoming known for that, or at least throwing cool party parties. Yeah. You know what I mean? Party parties. Should they change yeah. their name? I mean, because I you know I talked to <laughs> Howie Hawkins about this. I feel like the in the Green Party has a specific connotation, and, and this is a lot of its supporters, and I don't want to exclude these people, but there's a lot of sort of petite, bourgeois environmentalists, and I think that's the, where people get the association. Should they kind of rebrand to be more explicitly socialist or working class? Uh, I, think that, I, think that's a, I think that's a very valid point. I mean, it has, it, there are connotations, unfortunately, for some reason, somehow, even though it is such a... Uh, in, in, inclusive has such an inclusive platform. Uh, it does have diversity issues, which is crazy to me. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, I mean, it is possible even like whether it's like whether it's a rebrand or if it's some sort of like why not like the Green Party and the, say the Socialist Alternative Party, you know, Shama Sawant's party. Like why? What can there be some sort of kind of like folding in of those and right. all of the things and and kind of really making that like uh, a legitimate block of power, you know? Another thing that I wanted to mention is that these political like political parties in America, my understanding of it is initially, they were meant to come together for one issue, mm -hmm. and then when that issue was resolved, right. disband. Women's like, suffrage, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, or like um, the Republican Party came together to abolish slavery. <laughs> right. And it was supposed to then, after that, disband. But instead it's, you know, stayed, and now it's become this entrenched thing that it is that is very far away from you know, the party you would see that would want to abolish slavery. Um, and that's, yeah, and that's kind of the corruption of these parties staying in power for so long. You know, the, the Democratic Party's been in power for, you know, almost as long. Um, so, yeah, it is a problem. Would you, would you, Lee, if, if, it, was, uh, if it was Elizabeth Warren, uh, Donald Trump? If I were in a swing state, probably, but... Uh, the, Elizabeth Warren on war, I have a real problem with. I mean, she. I mean, she, she does have it in her name. She, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she not only voted for General Mattis, uh, you know, he he was approved ninety-eight to one, despite the fact that he's like a known war criminal. But in her questioning, and I made fun of this unredacted, and I in her, so they each get five minutes in her five-minute questions, and I think she didn't even use the whole time. But the most of her questions were were she literally said, "Do you believe in innovation?" And Mattis said, "Oh yes, blah blah blah." And she goes, "That's good to hear because you know in Massachusetts yeah. we have MIT and we have a lot of military innovation coming out of there." Oh my god! And really, it was just an ad for like MIT military innovation. And I was like, "What the fuck are these questions? Like, how about how did you feel when you blew up that wedding party? How about that for yeah. a question?" Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, the Massachusetts Bank does a lot of money for military contracts. I mean, Bernie's got the same issue with the yeah, F thirty five. You know, I mean, he's it's you can find you can find some like you know a critique of Bernie from the left, sure, from, like hardcore Burlington people. Yeah, and they talk about they talk about they talk about that kind of like support for the F thirty five and stuff like that and. And Bernie gave the best answer that he could. It was kind of he was kind of like, "Hey, if we don't do it here, they're gonna move him down to North Carolina and do it anyway." But it's like, that's that's problematic. But but yeah. it's like who we. I mean, well, that's putting it all on the one individual to solve our problem, not you know making him accountable to a movement that would not allow him to do something like that. Which I think you know, I think politicians are always gonna try to, even if we get old Jill in there, she'll find. Something shady to do. Nice little sunflower industry, sunflower company to give a <laughs> subsidy yeah, yeah. to under the table. Jill, Jill sells out to big essential oils. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why do you think they call them essential? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to, we have <laughs> to put the essential mandatory. back in essential oils. <laughs> I, yeah. We had a bit a while ago on the podcast we used to do about uh, leader Jill Stein, like if she became a totalitarian dictator and she's like, Hella green solar powered helicopters that are flying around, like blasting <laughs> James Taylor on everybody, and like uh, that's funny. pelting him with sunflower seeds. I uh, wonder if the greens would run somebody different. That'd be interesting. Yeah, well, she I said she's not going to run, right? In in twenty twenty, I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, after she's been dragged over the coals. I mean, the way they fucking treated her is horrific. Yeah, and you know, for what wanting to end war and stop corporate pillaging. Um, Seriously, and so, I mean, she was talking about like like a like a like a <laughs> weapons moratorium in the Middle East, like an art, like oh yeah, she's a terrible fucking person. <laughs> she was calling for like an emergency green deal to guarantee everybody like a, a green job to you know make our, our to give us a renewable you know, renewable environment by twenty thirty. I mean, and so like, and I and I'm and I'm talking about like the quote unquote like liberals like tarred and feather her like you know Matto would use her as like a punchline for what a you know Russian puppet she is. It's just. It's it's just sick that someone you know stands up against war, stands up for working class people, and is you know b- dragged dragged through the dirt and the mud for by the so called liberals. It's like it's sick. I mean, you you can be like, oh, I'm not voting Green Party, but it's a whole other thing to like t- you know tear this person apart just because you've come down with mad Dow disease. <laughs> Are, can you share what she said to you at the protest? She'll start? Yeah. Oh, oh, it was. She, we, I haven't seen her in a while. And anyway, she just asked me. She said, "So, what are we gonna do?" And I was like, "Oh, that's kind of, that's kind of <laughs> scary." This was like about everything. That's this kinda, wasn't like, yeah. where, what are we gonna, we're gonna get a drink after?" Yeah, this no, this, like, is, this is about what the, are we gonna the, do? The, the world, which just scared me because it's like, uh, God, I wish I knew. I was hoping you, you tell knew. me, Jill. Yeah. Fuck. I was hoping you knew. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think it's you. We got it. I mean, we're talking about armed revolt, and be very. I'm being very clear here because what we were saying earlier about insurrection, not advocating anybody go out, kill anyone, do anything violent. Uh, I second. But that. we can imagine a world. I mean, where say, you know, don't give you all your toppings on your first. Year. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's different. TCBY, we can take out. That's one. Uh, but Jill Stein should be, I think, a dictator. I think she should be more bloodthirsty. If she runs again, she should talk about uh, land seizure, mur- murdering. You know the famous photo of the She gun. should at least t- int- reintroduce guillotines into the political the fa- discourse. The famous photo <laughs> of the gun with the sunflower on the end of it. What if she came out with guns of sunflowers? Yes! Shoots yes. flowers at people. That's good. I like it. There the we go. The whole gun is sunflowers. And then, 
And then it's like a, a corporate Democrat walking up to the sunflower gun and putting like a bullet. A bullet in the end. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the inverse. <laughs> Calmly right there. putting. <laughs> Calmly just putting the bullet right there. The Mean New Deal. Yeah, man. All right. Uh, where can people find this this wonderful special when it uh, it's not out quite yet? Did get a sneak peek. Well, if you're in DC, I'll be following you down the street and telling you. Uh, just showing it to you. I'll just hold it up to your face. John did some marketing that way actually once. Did I you do did. it to members of Congress? He would just hold up his video to people's faces. I did. Yeah. I made three people download it. Uh, wow. But no, the comedy special is at Lee, it is only at LeeCampComedySpecial.com and 10% of the sales are going to Veterans for Peace and Food and Water Watch, two great organizations. And uh, if you use the promo code Uncle Sam, you can get 25% off, so it's like $4 a download. Cool. LeeCampComedySpecial.com. Hell yeah. J-Fod, where can people find you? Well, I have a secret comedy special hidden deep in the oh, internet. Oh, don't do it. We don't have I'm not going to do that. We don't I'm have not gonna do it. I'm just going to, I've streamlined it. He's got an amazing bit about how to find his comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I, it's, it's, it's currently, it's, it's just, it's on Vimeo On Demand. So if you go to Vimeo On Demand and you type in John F. O'Donnell or type in the manic depressive chocolate fountain operator, you can find <laughs> that. And, uh... It costs more than Lee's, and currently, uh, no money is going to charity. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, currently. we're at youtube.com slash redacted tonight, and my podcast is called Common Censored. And my Twitter's at TheRealJFod, and Lee's at Lee Camp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am at Anders Lee here on the Twitter. Our podcast, at PodDamnAmerica. If it's your first time tuning in, it's usually uh, Jake Flores hosts this with, with our, our buddies Alex Patak. Uh, Raghav Mehta and me. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, etc. You can also subscribe to our Patreon. You'll get some bonus content. Recently, we talked about uh, a hex, a public hex of Brett Kavanaugh that Jake attended in the flesh. Uh, you can only get that if you subscribe to our Patreon page. Otherwise, that's Pod Damn America. I'm Anders Lee. Thanks for joining us and thanks for listening. Sweet. <coughs> Square. Thank you, man.